Greetings and welcome to The Second Question, a podcast for educators and those who love education. I'm your host, Martin Silverman, a public school educator from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Now, let's answer the second question. Welcome listeners to the seventh episode of The Second Question. I hope you're enjoying this podcast journey as much as I'm enjoying producing it for you. You know, this has been a week of learning already. And it's only Tuesday night as I record this. This morning I had the opportunity to participate in the Teach Better Team Administrator Mastermind, which is a great forum for discussions with education leaders from all over the country and Canada. The discussions that happen in there, the conversations and the camaraderie are without parallel. And if you are an educational leader and you are listening to me on this podcast, I urge you to look into the Teach Better Team Admin Mastermind. They're always looking for more people to join the conversation. Today also, I had a visit from a former teacher of mine who became a principal and recently retired and is working as a student teacher supervisor at one of our local universities, uh, along with some other things that she's doing. And she was observing one of her student teachers who is being placed at my school. She and I had a great conversation about how she's working with these pre-service teachers to just do a great job in the classroom and to be the kind of teachers that we want them to be. And then also this week, I'm attending virtually my 12th Raise Your Hand Texas Leadership Symposium put on by a fantastic organization here in our state that supports educators and especially in this section, educational leaders. Uh, Raise Your Hand Texas, the Leadership Symposium has just top-notch presenters, keynote speakers, and one of the best parts is the connection with educators all over the state. And you know, I sensed a theme in all of the activities I've done yesterday and today. It brought me to think about how we mentor each other and how we are mentored as educational leaders. You know, at the risk of sounding, I don't know, whiny, uh, you know, I'm the only one of me in my school, and my assistant principal is the only one of him. And so if we're to get a group of people that do the same job as we are, we're going to have to look outside of our buildings. And, you know, it's important for us to make those groups, to become members of those groups, to participate in those groups so that we can bounce our issues off of each other, make connections, just learn how to do our jobs better and help other people do their jobs better. Mentoring is one of the most important things that we can do as educational leaders also to help raise the next generation of educational leaders. We're not going to be in our jobs forever. And the guests that I have for you today Uh, Dr. Christopher Galloway is a former colleague of mine in my district, but of course he's still a colleague of mine. He's now the Director of Teaching and Learning in Floresville ISD outside of San Antonio. And Dr. Galloway is just a great guy all around. He's uh, an author, a published author. 
He is a leader in his district and has developed a leadership development mentoring program that I think you're going to enjoy hearing about. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dr. Christopher Galloway. All right, and welcome to my interview with Dr. Christopher Galloway. And Dr. Galloway, uh, I'm going to call you Chris because it's weird for me to call you anything but Chris. But Dr. Galloway is the Director of Teaching and Learning in the Floresville Independent School District uh, outside of San Antonio. And I know Chris from, I'm going to say many years, uh, we were colleagues together, uh, principals together in Judson and um, we spent a lot of time, you know, talking about a million different things and always a, an enjoyable part of the day in the year when, when we would get together and have our conversations. And Chris is also a member of one of my cohorts, which is the Raise Your Hand Texas uh, School Leaders, which we're getting ready to have our annual conference next week. And we're looking forward to that, even though what we always look forward to is the visiting out of town. And now we're going to be doing it virtually from in town. So hopefully uh, we'll have the same experience doing it that way. But I'm looking forward to that as well. And so, um, Chris, I wanted to begin. I know you had a different journey to education than a lot of people have. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey to becoming an educator? Absolutely. And, and thanks for having me, Mari. Um, I really appreciate it and uh, to allow me to tell my story. My journey to education started late. Uh, I, I, I started off going into uh, business. I, I worked uh, Blockbuster Video as an assistant manager at, early on, um, as well as at the same time I was serving as a reservist in the military. Um, and then I got married um, to someone I met while I was working um, with her uh, at Blockbuster. She was also an assistant manager. And I moved on to La Quinta um, Inns and Suites, where I worked as a, a call center um, operator and then an operations supervisor, and I worked at the help desk. Um, I did that for a few years. Um, we had our first child. Uh, she's now a sophomore in college. Uh, and then uh, I went back to the video industry. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I went to be a store manager at Hollywood Video. And I did that for a couple of years before you kind of could see the writing on the wall. They were, they were having some financial trouble and they were looking like they're about to shut down. And we, I decided to go get a job at uh, USAA here in town in, in San Antonio, Texas. And those who are in the military know USAA is an important part of the military for their financial support, as well as automobile insurance. They've been around for a little over a hundred years. And there I worked in security. I went back to my roots because I was a military police officer in the reserves. Well, I was about 26 years old and I started to um, go back to school. I originally, when I came out of high school, went to college for about half a semester and, and thought college wasn't for me. Uh, I wasn't the best student in high school. So I had a lot of remedial math and reading courses and but once I got into business and, and I had um, my first child and then I had my second child on the way, I realized real quick that I was going to hit a glass ceiling if I didn't go back to school. So I went back to school when I was 26 years old and I, I pursued a bachelor's degree in um, U.S. history. And when I finished that 
degree in three and a half years, I had a choice. And one of the first options was is to go to law school. And so I applied to St. Mary's Law. They had a private program or a part-time program that they were starting. And that looked promising. Um, but at the time, you know, with two kids, uh, just finishing my undergrad, the last thing we wanted to do was get into a lot of debt. So talking it over um, with my um, with, with my wife at the time, she was a teacher and, and she encouraged me to pursue teaching uh, because she also knew I had a passion for wrestling. And she thought, well, maybe if you uh, became a teacher and, and a coach, you could you could do that and, and pursue that passion and give back um, to a sport that gave so much to you. And so I, I did that. I, at 30 years old, I, I became a wrestling coach and a teacher um, and at a small charter school. For, and I did that for three years before moving on to a large district, which was Judson ISD, where you and I met. And then so after uh, continuing to teach and coach for three more years, so I did that for a total of six years, um, my former principal um, pulled me out of the classroom and said, uh, you know, we would like you to, to sub as an assistant principal for us. And so when we have an assistant principal out, you'll put in for a sub, you'll come out and sub for that assistant principal and provide administrative support. After doing that a few months, I fell in love with being an administrator. So I decided to go back um, to school uh, and, and get my principal certification. And then a few months later, uh, ended up at Judson High School as an academic dean for two years. Uh, before going on to be a principal in elementary for two years, where you and I worked closely together um, as, as colleagues um, and you as my mentor. And then uh, after two years of doing that, I ended up at Central Office in Floresville as the director of teaching and learning. Um, so I'm going on my third year doing that. And during that time also, you neglected to mention you got your doctorate. That's correct. Yes. So I actually originally had never intended to be an administrator. So while I was at the charter school, I pursued a, a master's degree in gifted education. Uh, both my, my daughter and my son um, are, are gifted and I wanted to learn more about that. And, and at the same time, I had started to revamp the GT program at the charter school um, because as you know, in Texas, charter schools are not required to have a GT program. But because I was passionate about it, I, I asked my principal at the time if I could get something started. So I did. And so I pursued a master's degree in that so I could focus on that. Had no intention of being an administrator. So when I went back to get my principal certification, it was just a certificate. And then um, once I be became a academic dean, I decided that, um, you know what, let's, let's just keep going. So I, I went ahead and I pursued a PhD in school improvement from Texas State University. And and I just graduated in 2019. So while I was working full time as a academic dean um, and then a principal and then a director, I was still pursuing that as well. Well, I, you know, I've always been proud of you for that, because I think that shows just your a desire to keep learning and keep growing. And, you know, I think that's a good model for all of us. And, you know, Chris, I know one of your biggest passions, you and I have talked about this quite a bit is leadership development. Mm -hmm. um, I want Tell me more about the goals that you have when you're trying to work developing leaders. Sure. So, it, you know, I have a philosophy that um, it, 
let me back up. So one of the reasons why I wanted to become an administrator was because I knew that as a teacher, I had an impact on a large number of students. The students who came in my classroom, the students I coached, I had an impact on. In fact, I know I changed some of their lives. But I wanted to give back more. And I, and I knew that if I could help principals and assistant principals and other teacher leaders grow as leaders, then they would also have an impact on a large number of teachers who then would multiply that and have a, a bigger impact on students. And so that, that's one of the reasons why I think I'm so passionate about leadership development. It's because of the exponential impact that I can have on education by helping others and being a service to others. And so what I, my philosophy is, is that by building relationships, building capacity and accountability, those are the three main things that are, that are simple in, in reality when you think about it. Um, you know, they come easy to some of us, that those are the three things that really can change education. So I really work with teacher leaders and, um, and, and paras and anybody in education who's willing to learn and grow as a, as a person or as a leader to help them um, be the best that they can be. And there are several people who I've helped coach and mentored that have gone on to become principals. And, and my goal is to, to help those people um, and more people just continue to grow personally and in, in, in their field of education. Yes, I know that's uh, something you and I have talked about a lot, and I and I admire you for that. I know one of the projects that you have worked on is the Floresville Leadership Program, mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. But uh, tell us about what that program entails. So it, it really is a a model of a, a program that I attempted at Judson High School that was very successful, where we allowed teachers who wanted to be assistant principals to come out of the classroom and and work in the job of administration. It was an experience that I had when I was a teacher as as an administrative sub as a teacher. And that's how I learned to become an administrator. So when I got to Floresville, I I thought this is something that we could replicate as well. Um, However, going through the process of, of developing it, we decided to take a different approach instead of just a uh, principal pipeline where we bring teachers in who are get, getting their certification who are or already have their certification and helping them gain experiences to become principals and assistant principals. We actually decided to go ahead and open it up to anyone who wanted to be a part of it. So we have a group of teachers, we have central office personnel, and we even have two paraprofessionals and one person from technology who are part of the program. It's approximately 30 people in Floresville. And we're doing a book study. Uh, one, the book study is Lincoln on Leadership. And then once a month, we come together and we bring in speakers from outside our district, from various uh, parts of education to explain their leadership journey and then to tie together some of the things that they're learning from the Lincoln on Leadership book to um, the their profession. And what we found is that it's lit a fire under several people. And I think that when you can light a fire, when people are growing and you can light a fire in, in them, that spreads and, and it spreads to the students, it spreads to other teachers and other, other staff members. And so we've really um, got going in Floresville something that is exciting for everyone. Um, it keeps people around instead of looking for jobs elsewhere. Cause as long as people have an opportunity to grow, 
it gives them an opportunity to um, improve themselves and, and it leads to happier employees as well. So really it, it's helping us in several areas along with the projects that we have them doing. So as you know, in education, we get very busy and in a rural district like Floresville where people wear many hats, um, the, we have several projects that we can't get done. And so now we can have these leaders in our district to take on some of those projects and, and take a little bit more off the plate of the administrators so they can focus on other things like coaching teachers and coaching administrators and, and helping people um, on the front lines as it's happening. Well, I know that one of uh, my favorite experiences this year was getting to speak to your group. So uh, I want to thank you publicly for that. If I haven't thanked you enough privately, I really enjoyed my visit with your group. And, you know, not everybody uh, who listens has access to a group like that. But it sounds like to me that that kind of group can be started by just about anybody. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, one of the one of our assistant principals for her project is she started an assistant principal cluster meeting with other assistant principals from other districts in a surrounding area, and they meet via Zoom to discuss topics and issues that are that they are facing as assistant principals. And you know, the administrative field can be very lonely. <laughs> it's very easy to get caught in into this um, silo of working independently by yourself. And, and you have an opportunity to create like a professional learning community and reach out to other people. And, and if you're not getting it from where you're employed, then you can seek it through books or podcasts or uh, Facebook groups. Um, I, I highly recommend anyone who just wants to grow as a leader to do that. And if you want to grow professionally, you need to be up to date with the, the latest information that's going on in education. Uh, and you need to be motivated. And so me personally, I, I have a 45 minute drive to work. I listen to podcasts every day. I listen to motivational things on YouTube in my truck every day. Um, I listen to audiobooks every day because even though I'm still at, at a high point in my career, I'm still focusing and, and trying to grow as a leader and as a professional. And so those things help me. And, and I will also say that it doesn't have to be education related. It can also be related to um, just leadership in general, or it can be something personal um, or spiritual, because really to be the best you can be in your job, you have to do a few things. You have to think positively. So you, you need things on, um, on techniques on that. Uh, the positive, uh, the power of positive thinking is a book that I just recently listened to um, that, that focuses on that. But you also need to be balanced with your your body and your mind. So you know, exercise and and do things that motivate you and and listen to things that that really light a fire in you because that's going to make you the best you can be in your job. I, I love that advice, and you know, I've started listening to. Uh, quite a few podcasts, not just from the people that I know from the PLNs that I'm part of, but also uh, ones that people recommend to me. So I hardly agree with what you just said. You know what, Chris, if um, somebody listening was interested in developing others as leaders, mm. what advice would you give them? I, I think up front is to, to listen to who you want to mentor, um, know what they're seeking, um, try to listen to them to see where they feel like they can grow. I think that for me, what makes it easy for me to help develop people is that 
I, I kind of facilitate development, if that makes sense. And, and it's, it's almost the same as if you're a, um, a master teacher in a classroom. When you're a master teacher in a classroom, your students drive instruction. And you walk into your classroom, it looks like chaos. And you're wondering, you know, who's running the classroom? But then you hear the questioning and the high level of questioning and you see the products and you see what the students are doing. I think developing leaders is very much the same way. When someone can, can come to their own conclusion on what they need as a leader and you can kind of facilitate that and guide them, um, you're much more effective in, in being able to grow them as, as a leader. That's, uh, I think, a great piece of advice that you're giving to people who want to develop other leaders, for sure. Hey, Chris, you know, the name of this podcast is The Second Question. Mm -hmm. And the second question of my teacher interviews is always the same. And it's this question. I'd like you to answer it now. So you ready? I'm ready. The, the question is, who's the best teacher you ever had and why were they the best? You know, um, <laughs> I'm trying not to, to get emotional, but um, when I was in middle school in Quincy, Illinois, uh, Quincy Junior High, it was a it was a seventh, eighth, and ninth grade school. So ninth grade was at the same school. I had a seventh grade science teacher um, who was also my ninth grade science teacher, and uh, his his name was Robert Reinenberger, and um, I wasn't the best student in, in, in high school and middle school, um, for various reasons, you know, uh, won't go into too much detail about that, but, you know, environment is, is, is an important factor in, I think, student success. And, uh, I was definitely a, a solid C student and, um, you know, the science teacher, I remember that he was, uh, engaging, relevant, um, but most of all, I remember the relationships he had with his kids. And I recall one day coming home and uh, he was sitting in my living room talking to my parents. And he was telling them that he saw something special in me. And he knew that there was greatness in there that was just untapped and, and not wanting to come out. And that he wanted to just come to my home to see my environment. And uh, I never had anybody in the classroom do that for me. Um, and, 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 you know, I remembered that when I became a teacher. And he probably wouldn't have, um, maybe he would have thought I would become a teacher one day. I don't know. But, um, you know, most teachers wanted to kick me out of the, the classroom because I was a smart aleck or, you know, just dismiss me because I wasn't turning in my homework and, even when I became an athlete, I just did enough to, to pass. Um, but he was, he was an important piece of that to me. And another aspect that I remember is that there was a couple of kids that were older than me that were in a car accident. And I think there was some drinking and driving involved and, and they both passed away. And, uh, I remember him having a conversation with the class and, and he told the class, he said, um, if you ever find yourself in a position where you have to make a choice and it may not be a safe one, he said, I'm in the phone book, call me anytime and I'll be there and I'll pick you up. No questions asked. Now I never took advantage of that. 
Um, and of course, in today's world, I would never recommend that for any teacher. You know, it was a smaller town and, and a lot different times. But um, I know some friends that did take advantage of that. And I know that he probably saved their life. And, um, you know, if he happens to listen to this, uh, he, I want him to know how much of an impact he had on me and the other students that I was friends with. Man, I, Chris, I mean, you can't give a better tribute than that to somebody who uh, used the power of the classroom, uh, but the power of just being a great person to change your life. I, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that story. And I hope he does get to hear about it. Hey, Chris, people who are listening may have some questions for you. They may want to get in touch with you, talk about your leadership program or your journey. Uh, what, what would you say is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Uh, they can definitely get in contact with me on my Twitter, um, which is at Chris J. Galloway. I had to double check that. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, make sure you have it correct. And I'll put it in the show notes to make sure that it's written correctly. So when you find it for sure, send it to me. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's at Chris J. Galloway. Um, it is. And then um, they can definitely reach out to me um, by my email. My my email is Christopher with an O-R. Um, as you know, you always give me a hard time about that. Uh, Christopher with an O-R at the end, Galloway at gmail.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at Dr. Chris Galloway. Well, I will make sure to put all of those in the show notes. And Chris, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me, uh, talking about your journey and your uh, ideas about leadership development. I really appreciate it. I love uh, hearing your story, and uh, I, you know, I appreciate you as a colleague and as a friend. And so, I want to give you my appreciation for spending time with me uh, on the second question. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it, and I'm I'm, I'm so happy to see what you're doing with this podcast. Um, I think it's so important for people to reconnect and reflect on their experiences and to share them with the world. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And uh, listeners, again, if you want to get in touch with Chris, look at the show notes and you'll have your information. And that's it for today's episode of The Second Question. Thanks for joining us. If you like this podcast, subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget to join us for the next episode where we will answer the second question. Mm-hmm.